Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friday Afternoon here on the call, uh, live from our Barangaroo Studios. Ten stocks picked by you. I put them to our two two experts. We do it all in one hour. And uh, today, the panel is Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital. I'm Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Afternoon, fellas. Been an interesting week, Claude. Uh, Have you uh, been watching from the sidelines? Have you panicked like others have during the week? Uh, I, I mean, I didn't really panic because I was sort of fortunate. I think I mentioned on the last show, I was selling down a lot of my portfolio um, a little while, just, just before the panic, wait, just before the big um, bank stuff started, really. So I'm looking to deploy capital, actually, and ah. I'm definitely intending on buying at least one stock next week. Right. Uh, but that's more just as a purely lucky timing for me. I wanted to realign my portfolio purely with uh, my official recommendations. So sold the sold everything that wasn't an official recommendation right. except Prometicus. Right. Or uh, almost everything. I've still got some to go actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always except Prometicus. Luke, you can uh, pick that from Claude, can't you? Even though he's picked it right all the way up. Um have you felt about this week, Luke? Yeah, it's interesting, Koshi. Um, you know, a lot of people are sort of saying is there potential for some contagion amongst the financial sector, amongst the banks in particular, obviously Silicon Valley Bank and some um, crypto-focused banks over in the US and then Credit Suisse uh, a couple of nights ago, although it looks like, again, the central banks have stepped in and, and sort of stabilised things. Um, I haven't panicked yet. Um, Gaurav Sodhi, who, who comes on the on the program, who I respect very highly, he has a, a saying where he says, if you're going to panic, panic early. So no. I don't begrudge people <laughs> who, if you've got if you've got the thoughts that this could be something more, you know, the, the, the sort of um, uncertainty you're seeing in the market makes sense. Um, but as I said to someone the other day, I look at what happened in the US. It felt very specific circumstances to those banks. They they put themselves in some you know in a tough situation. Um, and Credit Suisse, look, I I'd made the point to someone a stiff breeze could knock over Credit Suisse. It, it, you know, every 12 months we hear problems with that bank. So I, I don't suspect that's a massive contagion that yeah. will, will you know um, worry the the global financial system again yeah but as always it's worthwhile paying attention to yeah everything. and you're quite right credit suisse is just a horribly run bank um they you know it's not as if they invested in dodgy mortgages and or or um government bonds have got it wrong like like silicon valley bank has done it's just a cot case and their biggest shareholder came out and said we're not going to put any more money in, I suppose the executive of executives of Credit Suisse Bank were saying, "Gee, thanks for that." <laughs> in this environment, yeah. beauty, you've hung us yeah. out to dry. Uh, all right, let's get into um, the stocks that you want us to take a look at. First half hour, Pure Profile, MMA Offshore, XRF Scientific, Calix, and BBX Minerals. Um, stock of the day. Al- always understanding the the 
uh, when we talk to Luke and, and Claude, um, they look at the, the more micro end of the market, small cap end of the market. So I thought stuck of the day, stock of the day, have a look at close the loop, which hasn't really come up here on the call at all. It made a US acquisition, says it will be immediately earnings accretive. Uh, it will pay up to 66 million US for ISP Trek services, uh, which will also see ISP Trek founders become substantial holders and close the loop here. It's a US electronics refurbisher and trading platform, which Close the Loop says will give it considerable presence in the US. It's expected to be 100% earnings per share accretive immediately post acquisition. Um, um, Close the Loop up almost 9% today on this. Close the Loop is a, a listed recycler. Um, Luke, what do you reckon of uh, Close the Loop and, and also the announcement today? Yeah, we'll start with the business, Koshi. It's it's come up once or twice for, for me on the call. And I've sort of said it, it came to the market a couple of years ago as a, um, a roll-up of a bunch of smaller businesses packaged together into an IPO. And yep. in general, I'm usually pretty skeptical of businesses that come to the market like that. So the advice I sort of said back then was, let's just give it a few reports, see how it reports, see how you know the, the consolidation of those businesses, can they extract the synergies and, and all the things you want to see. Now, um, as Claude and I we were just discussing before we jumped on, the actual numbers look pretty good. I mean, profitable business, generating cash flow, exactly what you want to see. So from that point of view, I, I give the business a tick and it looks it looks quite interesting and, and certainly worth some further work. Now, let's turn to the announcement today because, you know, businesses often like to use the words tra- transformational acquisition when they make one. This is one where it's a transformational acquisition. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I suspect the market reaction being up 9%, despite obviously that's positive. Um, you know, I think that's the market its way of also being a bit not skeptical but let's wait and see as to what this is because um they've gone to quite a u.s business that will almost or more than double their net profit it will more than double their revenue or nearly triple their net profit um and they've bought that business on an, an a net profit multiple of less than five times earnings so that's where mm. that big accretion comes from also they're, they're taking on some debt so you're not getting the um the share dilution as well so an eps level that accretion is even stronger um that's a fantastic acquisition you're buying a you know a well-established business generates good revenues good profits paying you know, at face value what seems like an amazing price I think the natural question from the market is, what's the catch here? And that that's the first question I had. Uh, very rarely do you see a business, you know, at that sort of size acquired for less than five times earnings. Um, what probably de-risks the whole situation a little bit is, as you mentioned just before, the founders of that um, ISP business, um, they're taking Script as part of the acquisition. Some some cash, but 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 Script as well. They'll, they'll be substantial holders of Closer Loot moving forward. So, look, I think there's a lot to digest. Um, but if I have the view that before this acquisition, the business looked interesting, was profitable, cash flow, and it wasn't an insane valuation. This acquisition is obviously something you need to pay attention to, just given the the size Hmm. and the price they've paid. Um, But I think more work needs to be done. you know, there, there, there can often be gremlins in the closet, and, and I, I sort of loathe to throw the name out, but I remember when EML made that acquisition of prepaid yeah. financial services, and they talked up the bargain they got, on, you know, and we all know what happened. There was obviously gremlins there. So, you know, I'm, I'm always a little bit sceptical when you see, you know, a fantastic sticker price or an acquisition. Rarely do people sell their okay. businesses, you know, super cheap. So, so what, you have a, as, a, as a hold, would you, if you're in it, to see how I, it works out? 
Definitely hold it if you're there. Right. Um, but for someone like me who doesn't own, you know, I'm going to go dig into this a bit more. I, mm. I, I need to find more information because, you know, on the pro forma numbers they've given the, as a group, um, you know, trading on less than six times earnings. That's that's right. worthy of more work, um, you know, okay. in and of itself. All right. We've, uh, in fact, the chief executive of Close the Loop is coming on the call, uh, not the call on Ausbiz on Monday. He's uh, traveling today. So, uh, couldn't make it today, so uh, uh, tune in Monday and we'll, we'll have uh, the boss on. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Close the Loop? I think it's very interesting. I definitely like their mission and I want to support the company for that point of view. It's not typically the kind of business being quite capital intensive that I generally look for. And also it's a bit of a roll up, uh, which again, it's not necessarily the highest quality kind of business that I'm generally looking for, but sometimes I make an exception <laughs> for such a company. but generally usually only if it's paying dividends and so it's yeah it's kind of it's kind of business i'd buy for the dividend but it is uh not paying dividends yet still sort of uh building up through acquisitions again just wanted to add that this um company they've acquired refurbishes high volumes of off-lease or previously owned computers as well as inkjet laser jet and commercial printers and they had according to the announcement i think 27 net percent net profit margins which seems really high We've seen a lot of businesses um, just through, I guess, COVID, uh, perhaps uh, outperform brief briefly and have you know massive spikes in margins, and that may well be normalised. So, I just that would be the number one risk that I would think of about this acquisition is that, yeah, what are the? It's very it would be very surprising to me if uh, margins don't come down. Right. So that's a little bit of a risk there. So I guess with that in mind, I probably wouldn't. I would. I feel like the risks around maybe how it reports but like at the same time the good times for all i know i don't know the the secondhand market for that but um for all i know those good times are still flowing right now so there might be a bit of time in it and i do think it's a good story so you could argue a sociological buy if you, uh, which i'm not a, a trader <laughs> but if you're a bit of a trader i think that there's a, a potential sociological buy you could look for just this looks like a good story it looks like the numbers look pretty decent yeah. Even the company itself did make, to my surprise, some actual free cash flow, very little, but some actual mm. free cash flow, even after lease repayments in the last half, which to be quite frank, for this kind of business in this kind of climate, I was I was like, oh, that's better than I expected. So yep. uh, yeah, maybe, maybe an angle there, but not for me. Okay. All right, let's get into the stocks you want us to take a look at. And Claude, Tim wants a view on Pure Profile, uh, an online research and digital advertising group. Got a bit of a hookup with News Corp as well, doesn't it? So uh, provides data to, and research to uh, marketers and researchers in the advertising industry. That's right. It's, that's definitely the main game is market research for brands who might want to test uh, customer reactions to an advertising campaign or a new product or, or whatever it is. Uh, so you could argue it's kind of pro-cyclical in that sense. Obviously, marketing and advertising spend um, tends to pump when the consumer is strong or uh, when, when the consumer is then weaker, then so too does the marketing and advertising spend drop. And uh, I think, you know, there's a few things to think about with this. Like, first of all, the, the share price has come down quite a long way. I think it's like a $30 million company. So it doesn't have to become insanely profitable to probably justify that market cap. Um, having said that, just a real problem with profitability of this business. Uh, and and that's a real no-no for me when a company also has $3 million in debt, uh, yeah. I think, which is also has quite a high interest rate on it, uh, I think above 8%. So debt, no profits yet. And uh, 
even and I, even when it does get profitable, I think it will be quite uh, low margin and net profit margin. They're thinking FY 2024 that they can get profits. Uh, but also at the same time, I remember at some point in the past, they said, oh, EBITDA is likely to be, you know, 4.2 million, but then it came in a bit below that. So they don't always hit their yeah. targets and I'd be cautious of it for that reason. Okay. Uh, Luke, what do you, um, and it looks uh, pretty tightly held as well, very illiquid stock. Mm. Um, this is one I used to own, Koshi. So just to give a bit of a brief history, um, probably about five or six years ago, the business went through a lot of troubles and essentially needed to be recapitalized. Um, and at that point, you know, a, a true turnaround had to take place. Uh, you know, cost stripped out, the business consolidated down and um, it did a fantastic job of doing that. And, and so I was sort of there for that journey. Um, the business has pivoted now. And as Claude said, um, you know, margins have sort of contracted a little bit or, or stabilized over the last year or two and, and, and you know, as the business sort of sets a platform for growth, um, which is fine. Businesses have to go through that sort of phase where they invest um, ahead of the growth to build the platform that will, you know, the growth that will come on in the future. Um, the issue I've got is, as Claude sort of alluded to, I think this business is one that's probably more cyclical than, than um, you know, what it portrays to be. Um, in particular, they do have a segment that is a, um, you know, creative media agency and, and revenues for that segment went backwards. And I think management sort of indicated they won't focus too much resources at that segment. The core data and insights business um, won't be as cyclical, but I struggle to imagine a world where if, you know, things do start to get tight, it's one of the things that brands will look to tighten the belt around. Um, so look, I've got this still on my watch list. As I said, I exited the position a, a few months ago from Merweather Capital. Um, I, I think Claude's right. You sit there and you wait to see management sort of execute on the on the profitable side of the business. They've proven they can grow it. You know, it's still growing 20 something percent even at the last report, but profits were flat. And so um, I, I sort of take Claude's view that I'm on the sidelines now. The growth is good. I need to see that now come through in the margins and in the profits and, and in okay. the cash flow. All right. Uh, Luke, Steve wants a view on MMA Offshore. They're um, uh, a marine services business um, uh, with vessels. This is um, for offshore um, oil platforms and the like, isn't it? Tugs. Yeah, so, you know, traditionally vessels for, for getting people to and from offshore oil rigs. Oil rigs. Um, yep. You know, looking to move that to offshore wind farms now, which are becoming a much you know larger part of their business. Um, and they made an acquisition. It looks like a couple of years ago of a subsea business. I, I couldn't quite exactly see what that was, but it was you know tangential to what they're doing, but but sort of takes them away from the. Uh, capital intensiveness of, of running, I think, 18 rigs. Um, look, there's no doubt the cycle has turned for these guys. If we've got a longer-term um, chart there, Koshi, you, you'll mm. see this. Yeah, there you go. The business has been in the doldrums for, for many years. And you know, if you go back to a 10-year chart, it looks exactly the same. Um, you know, and, and that's been a factor of the investment in offshore oil and gas in particular um, created uh, post the mining boom for, for many, many years. It, it's led to a situation where most people believe that there's been an underinvestment now and, and so you know you, you'll need to see a catch up from the majors and in, in the investments they make in offshore oil and gas um, the oil price has obviously moderated over the last year or so but i think it remains at a level where um, most of the capex decisions being made uh, would probably be you know quite economical at these prices and so you, you mm. s- suspect they would go ahead 
Um, so look, the business, you know, it's 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 that classic leverage to the cycle, a, a very a very high capital base, um, and it's it's utilization rates. If they can keep those utilization rates up to 80, 90, you know, percent plus, they make insane amounts of money. If that creeps down to 50, 60, 70, as it's been the last few years, they lose insane okay. amounts of money. So right. look, I, I think the cycle looks strong for these guys. They'll make some profits. Um, hold it if you're there. Um, one thing I did like, I must say, when I read their presentation, I think they're going to be much more careful about how they invest capital because the natural tendency for these guys is when the good times come, they want to take all that money, buy new ships, invest and grow, yeah. and obviously the cycle turns and you're left holding the bag. They did say that they're more likely to charter new ships if they see the demand rather than bring it onto their balance sheet. Stuff like that I actually like. So uh -huh. I think there's a great reason okay. to hold this stock. If you if you want something really cyclical and you think that oil trade has legs, this is something you could look at to potentially buy as well. Okay. Claude, what do you think of MMA? Um, uh, some will be saying, is this as good as it gets for MMA? And if you've ridden through those horrible times, you're up to, you know, well up to a five-year high, you just take your money and run. Uh, that would definitely be my my mindset with this kind of stock. I don't, it's hard to know what to add to what Luke said, because I think he really nailed it. The key here is to remember you're, you're playing a cycle, you're playing a cyclical play, and these things, it's human nature, a whole, a whole bunch of sociological and psychological reasons that these kind of businesses tend to overshoot massively. Uh, both to the upside and then if they survive they'll, they'll usually at some point you know there's an opportunity to get these big rises off a low base but i would definitely encourage anybody uh who's thinking of investing in this company to look at the 10-year chart and, to, and give them uh give some sort of idea of how this performs over the cycle the long term is against you right. uh however uh that doesn't mean you can't you can still have nice little you know periods of re-rate now what i would also mention about this is you know a little while ago a day after these guys put out an announcement, a friend of mine who owns shares just calls me up and he's just laughing and he's saying, oh, they, they put in a slide about wind farm demand or something. You know, there's no actual numbers. I have no idea how much revenue they got from this, let alone how much profit or, or whatever. But, you know, the stock's going now. And he picked it. There's this like narrative change. And that yeah. is just totally every time anyone talks about this stock and I was going to do it too. I'm doing it right now. Everyone mentions this like wind farm angle. And I feel like that's definitely pushed the pushed the sentiment of right. the stock up high. So is your so, mate still in it, or has he got out? Taking I have the money no idea. Run. That was a while ago. Right. I, I, okay. I have no idea. That was a while ago. I have no idea if he was in or out. Like, um, I definitely don't think he he was like counting on riches from wind farms. But right, um, who who knows if that'll come up or you know, I don't know how much wind farm. Like, that's a real thing. They could they may well make revenue and profit from that. So I'm not saying there's no chance of it. But what I'm saying is that this narrative has like entered the consciousness around this stock yep. and that could pump further. But just remember, it's all a cycle. Like it, it once it turns, it turns. All right. And so you just got to- So would you, would you buy at these levels, hold, or would you take your money? I'm I like, I do. I'm occasionally guilty of playing cycles, but I don't want to particularly get involved with this one because the long term so against yep. it. So it seems like an unnecessarily hard one to try and play. Uh, so I won't personally get involved. If I was already in it and playing the cycle, well, you're probably up a bit. So I'd just probably hold and, and right. enjoy it and, and execute your trading plan that I'm, I'm assuming you came up with beforehand. Okay. All right. Um, Claude John wants a view on XRF Scientific, the makers of uh, scientific instruments for the scientific analytical and mining industry. Um, of course, with these sorts of businesses, they make a lot of money out of uh, servicing and supplying products for those instruments. Uh, what do you think of XRF? 
Well, I think it's an excellent follow-on from the one we just had because its 10-year chart shows almost the exact opposite thing. It is a cyclical business, but the long term is in your favor. These guys have long-serving CEO has built value in this admittedly cyclical business over the super long term. Right. Um, I mean, at least let's if you see the five-year chart, but like in the in the long-term chart, you know, this is a tough business. I, I think I spoke to the CEO not long ago, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he really emphasized that um, it was a bit like just hell at first when they were just trying to put this business together, a conglomeration of like cyclical businesses in the sort of testing game. So, yep. you know, they help take customers take samples in a raw form. These can be from any industry, but mining is obviously the biggest one uh, by far in the, in a raw form and then turn it into a finished product that can be analyzed accurately in a spectrometer. And they sell uh, the a lot of the uh, equipment you need along the way. For example, you know, in their precious metal divisions, they have uh, these laboratory products that wear out after a while. So people send them back, they like repair them and put it back. And they also have consumable products, which is um, this sort of x-ray flux lithium borate stuff and obviously the the input costs from that make their business a little bit tricky as well because they can have inflation in lithium price puts up their cost of doing business etc lots of moving parts but what i'm trying to emphasize is that consumable products is it's sort of semi-recurring in nature it's mm. a transaction-based revenue and i quite like transaction-based revenue because it exposes you to the growth of you know the underlying ecosystem and if the population keeps growing and we keep wanting more resources and all that sort of stuff then you know probably they're not in a bad spot there. So uh, I this is one I sold because it wasn't an official recommendation, but I definitely it's one of my favorite little cyclicals yeah. out there. And also okay. full credit to Luke because he told me about it ages ago when it was like <laughs> I don't know twenty twenty five cents per share. Okay, all right, Charlie B, would you buy more at these levels or just hold? Uh, it I don't be? personally own, and I'm not right. going to go out there and buy tomorrow. But I'm looking at it as a potential buy high up on my list. So you could put me mm. down as buy, just a keeping buy. in mind right. that's not a promise that I will buy. Okay, Luke. Um, yeah, I've owned this one for a while, Koshi, um, a few years now. I think Claude's exactly right. It's a cyclical business, but um, underneath the, the the cycle they play in, expose those mining customers is a good structural growth story. Um, it'll just be masked at times as, as the cycle, you know, um, either works against them or boosted as the cycle works for them. Um, the one thing I, I, I love to point out with this business, and it, and it goes back to that point I made just at the end of that um, MMA offshore, which is how these businesses generally invest through the cycle. So for your traditional cyclical businesses, um, you know, your capital intensive. And so the only time you can really invest in your business is when the times are good, because it's the only time you have money. Um, so the times are good, they go out, they, you know, invest in a ton of capital equipment, um, expand international, make acquisitions, whatever it may be. Cycle turns and you're left with a bloated asset base. That's where you see impairments, divestments, whatnot. Um, I'll give XRF management a lot of credit. They began um, the expansion of a German office back in 2016, 2017, right at the bottom of their cycle. Made their made their profit numbers look much weaker because they were you know, operating losses of a couple of million, two, three million dollars. Um, that German segment is now starting to really contribute to the business. And so if you're going to invest in a cyclical business, find one where you've got a good management team, counter cyclically investing. Because when the times are good, that's when you really want to harvest that cash, harvest that growth. You don't want to be losing it all uh, with a management team that take all that cash in the good times that are, and are investing it out the back door. So look, it's it's my largest position. So I haven't bought no. it for a while from everywhere the capital. But you know, I agree with Claude. This is someone 
understand the cyclicality of it, but longer term structure, I think there's a great little business and worthy of a buy. Okay. All right. Worthy of a buy at these levels again. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's go on, uh, Luke, to our next stop. Look, Jimmy wants a view on Calix. Not so long ago, Calix was all about um, this carbon capture in, wasn't it, in, in cement manufacture and all that sort of stuff. Um, now it's gone off to batteries and EVs and the whole lot. I'm a bit confused about what Calix does anymore. You Well, one of my things I jotted down, Koshi, you're right onto it. It's always a bit of a red flag for me when you see these businesses, you know, you've got a, a grand plan or a grand vision, uh, and all of a sudden you see these side missions pop up. And I, I jotted that down myself. Um, you know, you've now got steel slash, slash lithium production, water and batteries as, as part of their, you know, wider ecosystem. That's great. You know, a lot of the times when you develop a piece of technology, it, it is around sort of carbon capture and um, uh, it's like the heating process of lime is their, is their core IP. Um, you know, you, you do want to see like where can this technology be, best be applicable? But you sort of like to see that when you're further down the path of commercialization, at least in one core area, which it did seem like cement was going to be that. They had a JV with uh, Heidelberg Cement, one of the world's largest producers. When you have a look, look, that, that JV may still be going operationally quite well. It's just not really hitting the numbers. And, and you know, even right. year on year, reven- revenue went backwards where you'd sort of expect you're in that ramp up stage of commercialization where it's going the right way. Um Look, as far as the numbers are concerned, it's it's you know impossible to buy this stock on the numbers. It's still, you know, uh, minuscule amounts of revenue compared to a 850 mil market cap. So you're, you're buying potential. Um, if you're there, look, all I can say is is do a lot of work around the product, get your head around it as much as possible. It is complex science, I know that, but understand exactly what it does, what it's trying to address, and and the different fields they're trying to attack it with. Um, look, one thing I would say to be fair to management is they're trying to do it in a capital light way as possible through joint ventures, right. um, through royalty royalty methods, things like that. That's a, that's a good way to approach something like this rather than taking all of that capital risk onto your balance sheet. So look, I would hold it if you're there as long as you've done that work. If you're on the sidelines, it's a tough market for these sorts of businesses. We know that, you know, 2022 really pricked the bubble of, of these more speculative types of yeah. businesses. So I would sit on the sidelines and just wait till you see some more of that execution okay. comes. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Calix? Uh, I just think that it's, uh, yeah, really crazily valued. Uh, they managed to raise a bunch of money, I think 80 million recently. And uh, that sort of kept them in the game. They've, they've got still a lot of cash on the balance sheet. I don't see how any of the businesses are going to make a profit in the foreseeable future. Uh, the I, the, so most of their revenue comes from this IER water thing. Hmm. And uh, that actually was down a little bit in this half compared to the prior corresponding period. So it's just hard to find any reason other than sort of like hype and speculation yeah. why uh, the share price would go up. Now, there can always be hype and speculation. Unfortunately, that's a bit of the theme of the show today because we've got <laughs> quite a few of these kind of businesses. But, yeah. you know, Close the Loop is in a similar... If you're like looking for that kind of theme, then I reckon Close the Loop is about 100 times more attractive than this. And, and if we had right. to compare Close the Loop versus this one, I would bet on Close the Loop. I'd take mm. that bet happily. Okay. 
All right. Now, our Fitstock uh, Clifton wants a view, Claude, on BBX Minerals, the uh, the gold uh, mining explorer still in exploration with, um, uh, but, but really a lot of its exploration areas are in Brazil. I know gold ex- or uh, any resource explorers aren't really in your uh, wheelhouse, Claude. Would you have any interest on this one at all? Oh, well, I probably wouldn't. Uh, it is pretty high risk. I think the only area I can add some value is that you can just look at some of the sociological factors that might impact what is obviously a speculative share price in, in the short term. Obviously, we've got a bit of strength from gold lately, so that might be a, a good thing for it. And then also, um, you know, just just generally, uh, it, it depends on what speculate like what speculative money is doing. And, and I don't know all the forces that control which little yeah. random specy stocks go up because I don't have that expertise to try and predict the you know the actual minerals. But neither do most people. So yeah, I just I'd I'd think of it as risky, and I would steer clear of this one myself. But mm, okay. some people like that, that sort of thing. Luke. Yeah, similar to Claude Koshy. It's not my style. Um, it's very early stage. It's quite small, only, you know, 58 mil market cap. Um, the one positive I did note, though, is that if I have a look at their overheads, they look quite reasonable. A lot of the times when, you know, explorers like this do pop up on the program, I go and have a look and you see executives with lavish salaries and, you know, huge corporate and admin costs. Um, these guys, you know, only a couple million bucks a year. That's that's pretty reasonable. Um, and most of the expenses obviously goes to the exploration budgets they're doing. Um, I think gold is the major focus. It looks like there's some other yeah. critical minerals um, around that. Because uh, I read their Prezo and their, you know, as always, there's some flashy stuff about what we could do with rare earths or, or whatnot. Um, look, so if you're there, I didn't, yeah, it's, it's not really my space. I didn't see any glaring red flags to suggest to anyone they should be selling something like this, but just be aware it's, of yep. course, a, a very speculative position. Okay. All right, let's recap the first five stocks plus our stock of the day. Close the loop, a hold from uh, from Luke, uh, worthy of uh, more work to be done on it. A no from Claude. Uh, pure profile, a no from Claude. It's um, uh, on Luke's watch list, list MMA, a hold from both XRF uh, Scientific, a buy from both Calyx, a no from, uh, from Claude, a hold from Luke and BBX Minerals, a no from both. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy investment portfolio. It was picked by the Investment Committee. The March Investment Committee meeting is on the platform now. You can go and have a look. Uh, going into March, uh, the committee got out of Seven Group and Janison Education. They trimmed the mineral resources holding and they added MA Financial and Ostal. And since the 1st of March last year, um, the portfolio up uh, just under 6%. Keep sending in uh, your uh, stocks for the call because that's the first filter uh, to get up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at 
cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. This half hour, um, you've asked us to have a look at Brain Chip Holdings, Audio Pixels, Rhythm Biosciences, EP&T Global and Adbury. Uh, David wants a view, uh, Claude, on Brain Chip, uh, the Neuromorphic Computing Group, which they uh, reckon adds into artificial intelligence. Uh, what do you think of Brain Chip? Uh, well, I think that my detailed so my detailed thoughts about this is in an article from September 2020 that says the immense power of the Brain Chip to drive share prices ha- higher. And, you know, that's because this is a, a company that doesn't have meaningful revenues, uh, but it has a massive market capitalization. Uh, yeah. I think as we speak, $812 million, but at times it's been more than double that. And and actually, you know, I could see the whole thing coming because like, all the signs are there. You had like this, all the all the places I want, all the ways I monitor to tell when there's like a, a, a social media and, uh, a, you know, when there's people that are actively in a way that is kind of, uh, not right, um, manipulating, uh, I don't know who, by the way, and so I'm not saying who because I don't even know who, but all I'm saying is you can see there are signs that you can monitor that tells you when this pump and dump thing's going to happen. Yeah. And I tried to write about that, and I said in it um, in September 2022, I think the share price will be meaningfully lower in two years, but I was wrong because it was about the same after two years, having gone way up yeah. and then come right down. And now, finally, it is meaningfully lower than when I wrote that article. But that took even longer. So that just shows how, as, as someone who talks about stocks, if I come out and say, when this pump and dump thing's happening, hey, you know, watch out, this is a pump and dump. I have people that are tr- will attack me and they will do it yep. in a concerted, aggressive way. And it's the old rule. The, yeah, anyway, I'm not even going to say anymore because every time I even speak about this stock, I get randos harassing me. So... Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about it. It's a social media driven right. thing and it doesn't make like, who knows what, where the stock price is going to go, but yep. it doesn't, I very would be very, very surprised if the future cash flows of the company justify the stock price, put it that way. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Luke, I can take that as a no from Claude, I think. Uh, what about you? <laughs> yeah. Look, I think Claude, the way he's thinking about the stock prices is correct. It'll most likely be sociologically driven. Um, look, from a fundamental point of view, there's a, a great scene in the TV show Silicon Valley where they talk about a, a business that is pre-revenue is better than a business that has um, a little bit of revenue because when you're pre-revenue, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. Uh, and once yeah. you have some revenue, you've got expectations. And yeah. that's the problem Brainship has. A couple of years ago, it was pre-revenue. It could have been anything. It was going to change the world, you know, billions Mm. of dollars was going to come in fast forward a couple of years later did five million dollars in revenue which is not bad the growth's actually quite strong but it's nowhere near you know the the expectations that were set back then when it got to a two billion market cap which was absolutely insane um the other point i've got on it i've I've made this when it it comes up quite a lot koshi it is a very popular stock obviously um you know we are talking about probably the most hotly contested space in the world when it comes to research and development Um, and some of the biggest companies in the world are spending billions and billions of dollars in R&D in the space Um, and I I just have this view that if Brainchip, Webit, Nano, any of them, if there was some genuinely world-leading tech inside these businesses, they would just be bought 
Um, yes. As it, I went and had a look, Nvidia's R and D budget last year was seven billion dollars. You know, they could they could spend fifteen percent of their R and D budget just to acquire brain chip if there was yeah. genuinely something there. So it's sort of how I've always thought about right. these businesses. But I yeah, think it's, it's a the good way of thinking way about it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. because we know we know that so much time and effort and particularly money is being spent around this chip space. Um, you know, Intel, Taiwan Semiconductor, Nvidia, even Apple and Google, obviously, you know, design their own chips in house now. So. So, um, yeah, call me sceptical, but I, I struggle to think that, that the, the next big thing will emerge out of the ASX in okay. that space. All right. Um, do you think uh, audio pixels, Luke, is the next big thing to uh, emerge in this this tech area? Uh, Peter wants a view on that. It's uh, uh, developed sound reproduction technology. According to the company, it will um, develop the ability to produce low-cost digital speaker microchips one millimetre thick um, for, uh, for, for speakers. What do you think? Is this, a, is yeah. this sort of a, a mini or, um, ordinate, do you think, or not? Ordinate does the protocols in the background, um, so so not exactly the same. But but look, this this stock baffles me because you know this business has been trying to develop this product for over a decade, I think close to fifteen yeah. years, right? Um, and still hasn't hasn't earned a, a drop of revenue. It's still in the the, the research and development phase. Um, now, look from a technological point of view. I'm not sure they could be inching towards, you know, a viable product. And um, by the sounds of it, if they could achieve a viable product, there is probably a large market there because, you know, we know mobile phone manufacturers in particular, you're always looking to shrink the size of your devices. So if you can have, you know, tiny digital speakers, that it would be it would be very attractive to them. Um, but again, there's just so many things going on in this business. The fact it's been plugging away for over a decade without getting any traction, um, there's a weird scenario happening where they tried to raise capital um, with some of it coming from a Chinese uh, partner and they were unable to get the cash out of China, which, right. you know, what's what's happening there, I don't know. Um, look, I, if, if I was there, I'd actually exit this business, Koshi. Um, I think it's one, like I said, a lot of question marks, a lot of red flags. I think you, you, you if you're interested in the technology, you don't have to sit there during this phase. You can, right. you can come in at that, you know, that phase where a real device is in the market um, because that potential will still be there in the future, I'm sure. But okay. yeah, be a sell, sell for me. Uh, Luke, what do you, uh, Claude rather, Audio Pixels, no revenue after 10 years. Yeah, amazing. They're really observing that um, that rule, right? Um, no revenue. They, they know how to keep it going, just never have wow. revenue, right? And <laughs> another thing these are good at, not harassing people who say their stock is overvalued. They don't bother you. You don't get right. people messaging you. So... Yeah, good. You know, obviously they've been valuing this idea on the stock market for for a ludicrous price for a long time. I would also, I'd also get out. I, I wouldn't hold this one. Uh, but you know, like, yeah, it's just amazing. I can't believe that it's still listed up this long. It really is a sight to behold. Like, it's just been there for so long. Still no product. Still no revenue. Like, but you know, what a market is the ASX? Isn't isn't it a special thing? Uh, but yeah, stay clear that one. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, Laura wants a view, um, um, uh, Carl, on um, on Claude Rhythm Biosciences. Now, medical diagnostics company um, uh, in the business of trying to screen for for colon cancer with blood tests. This one was spun out of the CSIRO, wasn't it, or have some some links to it as well? 
Claude, um, mm. do you know that? I, I'm not sure about the CSIRO connection, but it wouldn't surprise me at all because um, there's plenty of biotechs on the ASX that do. Uh, yeah, look, I, obviously these guys are a little bit outside of my uh, wheelhouse. And so they're just, I would just argue it's just a bit too early stage for me. Right. And, um, but that doesn't mean they're a bad thing. And sometimes these uh, biotechs on the ASX do end up doing quite well. And just keep in mind, you know, they have revenue, but it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a research and development grant. I'm not sure it's quite right. you know, what type, type exactly, but it's not actually, you know, it's early stage. It hasn't got a product. It's not making money that way. So, you know, there has been great ones, but I think you can afford to jump on board. Personally, I have a sort of semi rule where I basically looking for a million dollars revenue a year right. before I invest. Until then, you just always just rule. on the spec on speculations. Now, that there's got to be a difference. You know, the fact is, as Luke says, you often get an opportunity because when you get those first revenues, that's when actually people can start to value it. Half the time, the share price goes down, but that might be actually when you know that it has genuine potential. So. So that's where I come in with these guys. Look, I'd note, it, I'd note that they still have cash. So I'm sure the name of the game for these guys is get out some great news flow. They're going to probably need to continue to uh, raise capital to, to move forward with their with their path. So, um, you know, it, it, you, they're probably going to have share purchase plans or something in the future. So if you're interested in, this, in, the, in the story, you could always just buy $500 worth of shares and then that's like a ticket to play, I guess, later. But right. I wouldn't do anything beyond that. Okay. Uh, Luke, what do you think of Rhythm? Um, look, these companies, you hope they succeed, don't you? Uh, would mm. be, uh, But there's a difference between um, hoping a company will succeed and investing money into it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, and I think so, was it Howard Coleman comes on, Kosh, and says, yep. you know, you're better off donating money to them. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He probably has a point. I mean, if you're buying shares on the share market, you're just buying it off someone else, whereas, you know, you're actually giving money to the company that way. Um Look, it, it, I just looked it up. It does have CSIRO ties. You, you got that right. Um, and that's not surprising. As Claude said, a, a lot of good stuff obviously comes out of there. We do some fantastic work um, with the CSIRO. Um, it's it's early stage. It's focused on the early detection of colon cancer with a, with a simple blood test. Now, um, whether this product works or not, I'm not sure. So the share price, we had the chart up before when Claude was speaking. There was a big drop only a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the reason for that was they withdrew their submission to the TGA. Um, that, that it wasn't it wasn't failed. Um, uh, Rhythm Biosciences chose to withdraw it. They must have gotten early or preliminary feedback that they needed to sort of beef up the submission in some way. Um, so they've withdrawn their submission to the TGA and said they will try and resubmit within 20 days, um, which I think we'd actually be coming up on now. Um, Regardless, put that to the side without knowing the product itself or, or, or whatnot. The actual type of business probably interests me more than a lot of other early stage bio um, techs where if you'll focus on drug development, drug development is so hard. It's it, it's so tricky to develop a drug, go through, you know, all the way through phase three trials, takes years and years and years. Something like this, which is a, a screening blood test, um, it is much easier to bring that product to market. Um, and, and obviously, you would probably get a lot of government funding focused around that colon cancer, bowel cancer sort of space um, if it is a lot easier than the current testing method. So I can understand why the market was a bit excited about it. As Claude said, you can often get into these things, you know, just look at the chart, you know, with, with blips like this on, on, on the path to execution where 
something goes wrong, initial revenue is mm. a bit lower than expected, whatever it may be. Um, and it, it's probably not one where you have big positions early on. It, it's, you know, if it's something that you want to um, uh, own into the future, you probably scale up a position over time as, as management executes. So um, it's not for me that sort of biotech early stage space, but if you're a speculative investor and, and you like having these, you know, sort of lottery ticket style investments where if you get one right out of, you know, 20 or 30, you can, you can do quite well. Um, this is the sort of stuff I'd look for because it's it's much easier to, to get this business to to revenue and cash and profits yep. than it is a traditional drug development business, which okay. are much, much more difficult. And I do like uh, Claude's filter that he mentioned earlier. Uh, don't touch anything unless it makes at least a million dollars in revenue because then you at least determine that there is a customer prepared to pay pay for the technology, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's not a pipe drug. No, a simple heuristic, but that's spot on. That, yeah. That's exactly okay, what that sort really of filter one. is doing. You know, it, it proves you've got product market fit in some in some form yeah. or fashion. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, can you drive the scale behind that? Wait and see. But but you know, there's obviously something yeah. there to start with. Good filter. All right. Um, uh, and next stock, uh, Kieran Luke wants a view on EPMT Global. They're into uh, energy management solutions that reduce energy and water wastage. Uh, particularly around commercial properties and um, and buildings. What do you think? Yeah, look, this has been a very disappointing stock. I don't know if I remember the capital, but I've had it on my watch list for a very long time. Um, so in a nutshell, they put sensors, as you said, in commercial buildings. They monitor electricity, water, and, you know, in general, um, you know, the, the energy efficiency of, of those of those buildings. Um since they've come to market, I think back in 2021, um, they've grown their contract value quite strongly, grown their sort of buildings under you know um, under contract quite strongly as well, but they just haven't been able to make that pivot towards profitability, which is sort of what the markets demanded of, of these sort of micro cap tech stocks. Um, when I look at the results, as I said, that top line looks okay, but but at a cost based level, it continues to grow with with the revenue. Um, management have called out that 13.5 mil recurring revenue would be a base where they think they would be break even. Right now, they're about 10, so you know hmm. they're on the way okay. there. The cash balance is starting to dwindle, and and um, I remember when we were talking about Whisper a while back, and um, we sort of said, look, the the market is just looking at this dynamic of cash burn inflection versus where you are right now, you know, with your cash balance. Yeah. The, the market's doing the exact same thing with EPX. Uh, you know, a few mil in the bank, you've got to get to thirteen point five mil ARR to get to inflection. Can you make it without a capital injection? And I think the market's saying no, you can't. So right. share price has been hit pretty hard. Um, like I said, I've had them on watch list for, for almost since an IPO'd. Um, I like the idea of what they're doing. They've got good sticky customers. Once they're in a building, they don't really leave. They get nice recurring revenue. I just want to see them make that inflection into profitability, which is I. I think that's what the market's saying as well. Okay. Um, Claude, knowing you, this would have been right in your comfort zone, your wheelhouse, given your your environmental sort of standards and filters on investment, ESG filters. Um, what do you think of EPX? Uh, you're right. It's exactly the kind of stock that I'd love to be able to invest in and make yep. money. Uh, but as Luke said uh, quite eloquently, you know, it's not quite there yet. Uh, they did raise capital recently at 2.5 cents per share. So if I was looking to have, which I, by the way, I'm not going to do this, but if I was, and in my younger days, it's totally the kind of stuff I would do, you know, I'd be looking to get in um, not at 0.33, which is the lowest bid, but I'd be 
willing i'd be looking to get in around that capital right raise price because at least i know that right. you know directors are willing to put money in at that price because you've got to understand you know it's very hard to actually properly value such a small business as this you don't really know fully what's going on in the business you don't know how whether they will actually get to that break even or not so yeah it'd be definitely one to tread carefully in uh but having said that uh it's quite plausible that you know this would be a reasonable speculation um the the thing you got to we got to really find out, and which I was trying to look into, but I'm not entirely sure, is you know basically, is there some sort of competitive advantage in there? And yeah, it's a small business, and I haven't like gotten fully across the the market they're they're into. Um, but I think that's the key thing that you'd want to be comfortable with if you wanted to do a speculation such as this. But at the same time, like you know. They've got ARR, and I'm not sure, you know, given they're not profitable, I'm not sure you should be focusing on ARR, by the way. But, you know, the point is they, they have some level of revenue that's ongoing, mm. which means that they're in it to win it. And also, if that recurring revenue truly is recurring, then they probably are on track to get break even. So would I call this, well, I would say at 2.5 cents, not jumping in the market and put, you know, and paying bid because it's very illiquid. At 2.5 cents, it'd be the kind of one, uh, a speculation, a younger version of myself might have done, for sure. <laughs> but not the old, wiser virgin. Uh, it's not just so much wiser. It's just like, like you know, if you, when you're like 25 and you don't have that much money, you can probably, you know, right. it's meaningful to buy a few thousand dollars worth of something like that for a bit of fun. And, and I wouldn't want to be like going to buy it. And, you know, it's very illiquid. It's just yes. too illiquid even for me. I don't want to get involved, yes. basically. Right. But it looks it looks like a bit of fun for a pure speculation thing otherwise you know it's definitely better than some of the other companies we've, met, we've mentioned today i'd sure. much prefer speculator on this tiny one that virtually no one's heard of that might have its you know popular days ahead of it it could have sentiment uplift whereas sure. if you're already buying at high sentiment where it's in the afr well it's very hard for sentiment to keep going up from yeah. there yeah, really good point. All right, our final stock, Kui uh, Fei wants a, a view, Claude, on Adbury, the uh, the big cement and concrete product manufacturer in uh, WA and South Australia. It's sort of, as you go down the Port Road towards the spiritual home of Port Adelaide at Alberton, there is a big Adbury concrete smokestacks on your right it's like the taj mahal of port adelaide as you go through i love it the taj mahal <laughs> it's so funny that this that the taj mahal of port adelaide came up today yep. because uh, i i've just been looking at dividend stocks and ah. um you know where can i get a yield that's you know a reasonably safe yield uh not, not saying that this stock overall is safe but it's just you know is it cheap enough, I guess, is the question. Yep. Um, and, and I was looking at analyst estimates for um, Adbury, and they're saying that earnings per share uh, actually will, you know, gradually go up from here. Mm. And uh, if I'm not wrong, I think consensus is also for a slightly increasing dividend from here. So, uh, look, analysts can be wrong, but this seems to be at a low ebb at the moment. And you know, it's probably got the right price. So if you were looking for a dividend stock, which sometimes I like to have a dividend stock, yep. and I say do, like I always like to have a little bit of income in my portfolio, you know? So um, definitely one that I was just looking at. I barely ever look at a billion dollar company. Uh, and this is obviously going to be a cyclical company as well. And I think a lot of stocks are priced like there's a bit of a recession coming, which could yep. well be the case. But longer term, um, 
you know, I think we're going to do a lot of building here in Australia because I think that the easiest solution for the politicians to basically, quite frankly, some of the problems in our society that mean that we're not as productive as we could be, the easiest band-aid for any uh, government to put on that is just more immigration because the one thing we do have is a lovely, lovely place to live, a lot yeah. of freedom, um, that kind of thing. So you can just continually juice the economy by letting in more and more people. And that means building. We have to build and not not just homes, but also infrastructure. It's our own, if we're going to persist in being super ordinary and, and, and sort of philistines in terms of how we run our economy, then we've just got to commit to like more and more of us. Yeah. Uh, so for that reason, it's not one that I would shun. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not going to buy it myself today, but it's on my list. So I'd call okay. it a hold at worth. Right. Okay. And, and a buy if you, if you want income, if you're that, yeah, just that keeping in mind, like, yeah, you probably, it, it's, it's not one that I, it's not one that I love just cause it, the overall, you know, it's, it's just not the kind of business that tends sure. to be awesome. And, you know, it's great capital intensive and that kind of thing. You've got that long term is against you right now. I just feel like, you know, the, the sentiment's reasonably low at the moment. So okay. maybe it's not too bad. You can hold it for a dividend for a couple of years. All right. Um, what do you reckon, Luke, on Adbury? Um, I think Claude's selling it short when he says the sentiment's low at the minute. I mean, I, I looked at the result for this business and, and you know, it's just negative after negative. Um, you know, higher input costs, um, cost blowouts on a, on a CapEx project they're doing over in WA. Um, they halted the divvy just for this half, you know, in sort of um, uh, the context of that. Um it took on some extra debt, so the balance sheet's looking a little bit stretched as interest rates are rising, um, and and we just had the share price up before. Now, my main thought is I actually agree with most of what Claude said. This is a business that will be around in you know twenty, fifty, maybe a hundred years. It's been around for a hundred years already, I think. Um, so you know, if you're looking for that sort of longer term play, then obviously the time to look at businesses like this are when they're bombed out and no one else wants to touch them. And it's really hard. It's it's really hard to be a contrarian because there are, you know, there are no green shoots right now. The business looks like it's going to go through a phase maybe over the next six to 12 months where it's still consolidating before you see the numbers start to improve. But the market will eventually look ahead. We'll look to the earnings improvement as Claude said, some of the analysts are already sort of factoring that in as well. Um, so look, it's, it's well outside of my wheelhouse. As Claude said, billion dollar business, I'm a you know, micro cap investor. But these are the sorts of businesses I'd be looking for. I wouldn't mm. I wouldn't be so much chasing the businesses who have the tailwinds behind them now. Um, look for the businesses that have been beaten down in this market, but you know have a brand, a business, whatever it is about them, that they will be around for the longer term. Um, and you're buying them at a low both in their multiple, but also in their earnings. Um, and, and as that turns over time, you you do quite well. Um, as I said, hard to do, but that's what we need to be trying to do as investors. So, you know, not for me, just given the size, but but for someone, as Claude said, if you're after stability, dividends, this is okay. certainly the time to be looking at stuff like right. Adbri. All right. Really good uh, analysis from you both, as usual for the whole hour. Uh, Luke Winchester uh, from Merriweather Capital and also Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Always great to end the week with you too because we cover a lot of stocks that uh, don't traditionally come up on the call in that, um, in that smaller end of the market. So have a great weekend ahead. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Koshi. Thanks for having me. Terrific bikes, aren't they? Both Luke and Claude, very different from a lot of our other panels, which I love here on the call, the, the mixture of the experts that we have on it really gets you thinking. All right, let's uh, recap the final five stocks on the list today. 
uh, brain chip and I from both uh, audio pixel a cell from both uh, rhythm biosciences no EP and T no uh, Adbury um, a hold yes uh, basically a hold from both um, particularly if you're looking for income returns and uh, might be the right time in the cycle to have a look at Adbury. Uh, that's it for us here on the call. If you'd like any stocks for me to put to our expert panels for their view, uh, put them in an email to me. Look, you can you can request different panelists. If uh, you've got a favourite that you'd like their opinion on, we'll make sure it goes on to the uh, onto the panel that they're on. Uh, if you've got any comments that you want to add to your suggestion, always add them in as well because the experts like that as well. Put them in an email, the call at ozbiz.com today or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, more of Ozbiz coming up after this. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 